When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Nobody goes this far with coverage of yesterday's games. We came here for a mission. The Ride has blanketed the NFL with Manny Hill's Four Deep Thoughts. And the coverage is now Four Deep. Four Deep Thoughts. Manny Hill, take it away. Thank you, Corzo. Here is number one. Manning on fourth down. Manning pulls the trigger. One-on-one. Lewis! Oh, incredible! Roger Lewis! There's the catch. Ball never hit the ground. Incredible catch by Lewis. Lee will hold it. Sweeps the leg and connects. The Giants shock the Chiefs. 12-9, the final in overtime. Andy Reid, what the hell was that yesterday? Was that game in Kansas City? That was in New York. Oh, it was in it New was York. in the Meadowlands. Of course, I like that game because you have a home team getting 13 and a half points in the NFL. You always take it. <laughs> and it's amazing when you're getting 13 and a half points at home, how many times that team wins those games. But it, you're, it, oh, go ahead. I'm it sorry. does. But I, I was just going to say, too, what happened to the Chiefs? I don't know. That's four or five now that they've dropped after a 5-0 and start. Yeah, how do you they, you know, it is. it does bring to light what Terrence Newman said yesterday where he said, we've done nothing yet. You know, fans, we get all excited, and you look at the Vikings, you know, let's say the Vikings lose the next three, which is possible, right? Mm -hmm. They're either going to be an underdog or a very slight favorite in all those games. That's the NFL, man. I mean, the Vikings are a long way away from doing anything yet. I mean, the Chiefs, were, we were all crowning them, right? What were yeah. they, 5-0, and oh, and they, 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 they'd throttled the, the Patriots? So, I don't know. What and happened? As Denny Green said, if you want to crown them, then crown their, you know what. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, number two. Peterman rolling and throwing off the hands of DeMarco. DeMarco couldn't hold it. Corey Toomer has it. He floats one, and that's intercepted across the 25-yard line. Pressure coming. Peterman hit, and that is his third interception of the day. Trey Boston has it for a Charger takeaway. Pass is, is that almost? Did he pick that off? Casey Hayward may have another interception. He did this And that's the fifth interception today thrown by Peterman. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor gets benched uh, for Nathan Peterman, who proceeded to throw three interceptions in the first quarter, four in the first half, and five for the game. Now, 
Two of them weren't really his fault. The first one he threw certainly was not his fault at all. He's, he tried to dump it off to his fullback, and his fullback, the ball just went right off his hands and right into a Chargers defender's hands. Um, and then he had another one where he was hit as he threw, and it, it you know, it kind of threw the threw the pass off, and it was picked off. But yeah, Tyrod Taylor gets benched for this kid, and uh, he throws five picks, and then Taylor ended up coming back or coming coming into the game. I think, but uh, yeah, the Chargers blow out the Bills. That was. Uh, I have two questions. Weird. Uh, who is Peterman? He was wasn't a... he? Wasn't he on the Seinfeld series? Oh yes, Peterman. <laughs> yes, he yes. was. He so, was a part of. Uh, he was a part of the three technique on the ride last week, and we actually used a soundbite from Mister Peterman from so, Seinfeld. So what, where enough. did he play college football? Did they bring him over from Germany? Who is this guy? I've never heard he, of him. He he was actually at Tennessee. All right, and he transferred because he didn't. You know, he didn't play. I uh, I wonder to Pittsburgh. why. Yeah, <laughs> and he played at Pittsburgh. He played at Pittsburgh, and uh, was he drafted? I don't think he was drafted. If, if if he was drafted, he was drafted late. So, he was not a high pick. And here's the other question. Of course, Demry Croft on Saturday had the. Uh, there should be some sort of a word for it uh, that he completed more passes to Northwestern than he did to his own team. Right, yeah. yep. through three interceptions. Right, <laughs> and yep. he had two completions. Yep. So anytime you complete more to the other team than your own team, there there needs to be a word. So did Peterman? That's bad. Yeah. Did, did Peterman have more than five completions? Ah, uh, yeah, he did. I okay. think he was so close he did, to like twenty. But he did not pull the Demry Croft where you complete more. Didn't he complete his first two passes in that game? Demry Croft, of, yes, yeah, I believe then, he did. Yeah. Then after that, so after like the first drive, the the only people that he completed a pass to were Northwestern Wildcats. Is that correct? I that believe that's correct. right. I didn't yes. watch much of that game uh, for obvious reasons. Actually, uh, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm just looking up the box score now. Uh, Peterman completed six passes. So he barely and, beat it out. So he completed well, six. Technically, he completed 11. Yes. Five were just yes. to the other yes. team. Yes. Yes. Just, so, he, so he was he was close <laughs> to, to what we have to call it the, the, the Croft the Croft something. Oh, yeah. We have, to, we have to get an alliteration in there. The Croft. So you're saying my, my piping like hot take of the Buffalo Bills ending their playoff drought when they were 5-2 and two isn't going to happen? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think Got so. It. Got it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Here's number three. Freeze. Pass. Caught. Touchdown. Hill. Freeze. Kamara. Touchdown. After a juggle. Alvin Kamara, the rookie. Take a seat to stand. Toss to Kamara. Looking for a block. Alvin Kamara ties it. This to win it. Will Lutz. Wins it. What a game. Saints have won eight straight. Uh, this one is twofold. Number one, Jay Gruden's seat is uh, sizzling right now. As that uh, the Redskins completely fall apart in the final uh, few minutes in New Orleans. And the Saints... They get another win at home. They've won eight in a row, and um, it, it kind of reminded me. Uh, remember, guys, back in 2009 when the Saints won a game in Washington over the Redskins, and it was due to like a missed field goal by Sean Sweezum, and that ended up being the difference between the Vikings and the Saints for home field advantage in the playoffs that year, and we know how that season ended. So, uh, yeah, that loss uh, by the Redskins yesterday to the Saints kind of reminded me of that just a little uh, bit. It, re- it reminded me of 2009, but in a different way. When the Redskins were tied and all of a sudden they were in field goal range and uh, Kirk Cousins had that inexplicable where he saw the, the brush and he just flinged it out of bounds, even though no receiver yep. was over there and he got called for 
the grounding that got them out of field goal position. That happened at the exact same position on the field going the exact same direction. Okay? As far as In the exact same stadium as 12 men in a huddle. Uh, Which then led to the Favre interception. And I'm watching it because it was just over the 50, about the 35-yard line, going right to left on your TV screen on the far sideline. It happened in the exact same spot. I'm watching this going, this is deja vu all over again. And furthermore, yesterday... We would look, which was a great day for the Vikings, it was not nearly as good as it could have been, given that the Lions barely beat the Bears, and the Bears missed a field goal late. Maybe that's your fourth item. I don't know. But and and it looked like the Saints were going to lose, and it looked like the Lions were going to lose. Two, you know, two teams that the Vikings will be competing with down the stretch for playoff positioning. All right, and here's uh, finally number four with the second down and goal. And pick- in the end zone, Jimmy Smith. And some nice deft movement there by the quarterback Hundley. It's picked off again. Picked off on the near side by Weddle. Hundley hit as he throws. It's picked off. Intercepted. Humphrey, the first round pick out of Alabama. His first career interception. That shuts the door. And the Ravens are going to shut out Green Bay, it would appear. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, without Aaron Rodgers, might be one of the three or four worst teams in football. That was awful yesterday from Brett Hundley. That was awful from the entire offense, the offensive line. The defense was okay, but that team uh, is not good with number 12. Like it's, uh, it's unbelievable how bad they are without him. I am dead serious. If I had a vote for NFL MVP, it would be for Aaron Rodgers. And I would go back <laughs> over every previous season in which I did not vote for Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP. I would change my vote if I could. He has taken what's been an absolutely miserable organization in every way, shape, or form. And the way that the Packers have have, have wasted Aaron Rodgers is very similar to how the Timberwolves wasted Kevin Garnett. And we're seeing that. That I mean, they're a miserable team without him. And I heard Dave Harrigan bring up this morning that that Rodgers could opt out of his contract. And if he does, I would. We don't have to talk about Teddy, and we don't have to talk about Case Keenum. You you back up the Brinks truck, and you go and you get Aaron Rodgers here. Now I don't know if he can get out and he'd be an unrestricted free agent, but you put Aaron Rodgers with the Vikings, they'd win six straight well, Super Bowls. Settle down, Mackie, because I think he said something to the same effect. <laughs> but there is just one problem with that logic: if he opts out, the Packers can just franchise tag him. Oh, well, which is what I they knew would there do. was something there that would right, keep you from right. doing that. I don't. I don't disagree though. If he was obviously any team that needed a quarterback like the Vikings might next season, obviously that would be a logical move. The, I'm with you. Look, I think Case Keenum's great. They're, but they're eight and two with Case Keenum. If they had Aaron Rodgers, I mean, come on, they would they would be an eight point favorite over the Patriots if they had Aaron Rodgers. I'm not maybe not eight, but they'd be a favorite on a neutral field over the Patriots. But by, by the way, before we go to break, hot yeah. take: the Green Bay Packers will lose to the Cleveland Browns. Oh, that's a <laughs> piping hot sport. That's how take. bad they are. They're going to lose to the Where Browns. Where is that game? Is it in, it's Cleveland? in Cleveland? Not that it matters because they just got shut out at Lambeau. But yeah, it could be. Wow. Could be. Yeah. All right, Manny, thanks. Uh, got it. Coming back with traffic. Britt Robson, you know, has been writing great Timberwolves stuff for the for MinPost for years, and now he does it for The Athletic. And uh, the main reason I, you know, him and Johnny K are the two reasons I subscribe to The Athletic. But I, I, Britt Robson is really my Timberwolves uh, psychologist. You know, when I'm losing my mind, which I am most of the time watching this team play, even though they are now 10 and 6, I need to go to Britt to help me out here because it just seems to me that uh, this team, although, you know, they've had some great wins and they've been great in close games, they seem to disappoint me more than the other way around. 
even after playing three really, I thought, three games that I was really impressed by because their offense came and went, which we all know happens, but they played such great defense. And last night they were playing a really good game, and it was a really good game between two really good teams. And then in the fourth quarter, it's like they had never seen a pick and roll before. And and help me, Britt, what, what, what the heck happened last night in that fourth quarter when all of a sudden the Reggie Jackson... Uh, uh, Andre Drummond pick and roll. I mean, I thought I was watching Magic and Kareem again. I don't know what happened. Uh, explain to me how this team that had played great defense for three games and three quarters, uh, defensively, you know, the fact they melt down offensively late in games, I've, I've just succumbed to it because Tibbs continues to isolate Butler and Wiggins and thinks that's the way to run an offense in a close game. But defensively, the, the breakdown was a little more shocking. What was your thoughts? Well, I mean, it, it clearly was a problem. I think it, both sides kind of catapulted upon each other. I think they were running a high pick and roll uh, that didn't work at the offensive end. And at the defensive end, uh, Detroit just found something that worked and went at it. And uh, Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond are one of the better pick and roll uh, you know, tandems in the NBA. They both had an off year last year, but two years ago they were very good. This year they've been pretty good. Um, I actually think that individually and pick and roll defensively, uh, Towns and Jeff Teague are probably the two weakest of the five uh, starters on defense. And so it just in some ways, uh, you one could argue, you know, why did it take Detroit until the fourth quarter to really find this a weakness in the rotation and just hammer at it. But uh, if you look at what happened, Detroit scored on the last 10 possessions of the game. You're never going to win a close game uh, if you can't get a stop. And not being able to get a, one single stop in uh, five minutes and 32 seconds of the final, you know, for, in the fourth quarter, uh, you're not going to win any games. And, and that's what happened. They, uh, you know, they blew a game, and it, it, fortunately, it was their first blown game of the season in terms of close games. Uh, they've been blown out, actually, by this Pistons team and by the Pacers. Um, but this was the first time that they had a game in the balance this season. They're now four and one in one possession games. Yeah, they they have, and it's it's largely been a, a factor of playing good defense down the stretch. Because that my, the other thing that I, that really frustrates me, and it's frustrating me now, what the Wolves have played sixteen games this year. 82 last year, so what we're at uh, 98 games under the Tibbs regime, and one thing you can count on Tibbs doing late in a close game is 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 in the past it was always give the ball to Andrew Wiggins and let him isolate off the dribble, and now it's either Wiggins or Butler, and I know that the Wolves have won close games and Butler had a great finish in the home game against Oklahoma City, and and I'm not saying that you should never do it, but his his constant going to isolation uh, basketball, either giving it to, to, it just drives me crazy, especially when you have Carl Anthony Towns, who just almost never sees the ball on the block late in games of close games. I just don't understand it. Help me on that one. Well, I mean, I, I think that there's some legitimate criticism there. I do think they were trying to run a high pick and roll uh, and trying to get Drummond caught up in things away from the basket. Uh Detroit wasn't biting on that, and I, you know, I think a lot of that came down to um, not only Tibbs, but Wiggins is very, very much of a, uh, you know, he fancies himself as a closer, and he is actually a pretty good performer in the fourth quarter, especially from the field. His free throws are more come and go, but I would say that to some extent, uh, Wiggins uh, ignores open people uh, in crunch time, and I think that. Uh, 
to some extent, the, the plays they were running at the high pick and roll wasn't a great play for them. I also think that Teague has a tendency, for whatever reason, to hold on to the ball uh, and just be patient, but to the point where patience becomes uh, a vice rather than a virtue, and uh, they begin to run out of time, and then they begin to force shots. Uh, so I do think in this particular case, this Pistons game to some extent was an outlier in that they they really were bad at both ends of the court in the fourth quarter. That that hasn't happened this year in a close game uh, until now, game 16. But uh, you have definite reasons to criticize the fourth quarter of that game last night because at both ends, uh, their strategy was stunted and... Uh, I was kind of surprised they didn't adjust at all on that pick and roll. There wasn't any kind of, uh, you know, uh, putting Butler on uh, Reggie Jackson or, you know, something that, uh, you know, would go about it. Well, they they also were poor, I guess, down the stretch against Phoenix, too, as well, even though at that point, uh, you know, it it ended up not being a close game because they were so bad in the fourth quarter where they had a six-point lead. Uh, I, yeah, I, I actually think the Portland game was just a terrible defensive the, the Phoenix game, yeah, the Phoenix game. Finish. Yep. You know, I mean, I think that uh, it wasn't – what we saw last year from the Timberwolves and what we have not seen this year until last night is this team uh, basically coughing up games that are winnable games that are right there in the balance. And uh, that's really, I think, the big outlier last night is this was not a game. Tibbs was clearly uh, angry, uh, the angriest he's been after a game this year. He really did go out and get these guys, these veterans, uh, he would always say the reason he was getting these veterans is to teach people to have a little bit more toughness as other players and to close out games because he says the game is different in the fourth quarter. And uh, this time they didn't get it done. Now, one other uh, thing, and more big picture, they now played basically 20, just under 20% of their season. They're you know at 10 and 6. If you multiply times 5, they'd be 50 and 30 with two games to go. Uh, and I think that's, you know, you, you really can't complain about a 10 and 6 record necessarily at this point, but, but what's your overall take on how this team has performed through its first, like I said, one fifth of the season? Well, I think that the record is better than the play. Uh, I, I, you know, they're 12th in net rating, uh, which is the defensive rating uh, subtracted from the offensive rating. They have the uh, seventh best uh, offense, which is, you know, about where they should be. They're 21st in defense, which is up from dead last and in the last three or four spots before that. But I would argue that um, if you said to me, you're going to have a 10-6 and record with uh, both uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler really not shooting well at all, uh, having this relatively quick athletic team be in the bottom third in fast break points, um, having uh, a a team that uh, is basically – uh, getting nothing from a couple of their guys off the bench. I mean, Gorgi Jing and uh, Shubaz Muhammad, particularly Muhammad, have just been uh, awful. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of flaws. But then if you also look at the fact that, uh, you, uh, you know, you know I'm a big Ricky Rubio fan, and I prefer Rubio to Teague, but you can't argue with, you know, 43% behind the three-point line and Belly's having a great year off the bench. He should be getting a lot more minutes But I think all of these things are kind of – it's still a jumble, I guess, is what I'm coming down to. I think the 10-6 and is wonderful. I think they've played more like an 8-8 and team, about half up, half down, in terms of the way I feel about them. But I also think that uh, 
you see all kinds of room for improvement in terms of these guys all getting on the same page and guys like Jang anyway and, uh, you know, the, the potential for Belly to get more minutes and get things going. I, I, I see them still as a playoff team. I called them from 48 wins at the beginning of the season. Uh, I'm not unconfident of that. Um, if they finished with 44, 45 wins or if they finished with 50 wins, uh, I, neither one would surprise me at this point. If they finished below 500, that would surprise me. Britt, thanks again. At least you helped me a little bit get through it. Appreciate Britt landing. Read Britt's stuff in The Athletic. Always good. Thanks, Britt. No problem. Uh, and before we go to break, though, uh, the one thing last night I did love it, Belly, who you know has been playing well, Belly got the I'm not going to shoot last night mode, and so did Teague. You know, Belly and Teague, they, they, there's two things those guys can do is shoot. You need to shoot the doggone ball. And we come back, Johnny Height, update. I'm now to head into the uh, 1500 ESPN newsroom with Johnny Hype. Thanks, Corzo. This update sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long-term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salaried professional service may be the right solution. Visit accounttemps.com. Account Temps, a Robert Half company. Vikings now move on to the Thanksgiving Day game in Detroit. They'll play the Lions Thursday morning. Uh, Vikes 8-2 and two after beating the Rams yesterday. Lions earned second in the NFC North, just two games uh, behind the Vikings. Uh, that game is an 11-30 start on Thursday. You morning. know, it goes without saying, but this is rather large, given the fact that uh, the Lions, oh, I don't think are that good, but they did beat the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. Mm-hmm. In fact, they've, they have a 2-0 record at U.S. Bank Stadium, so maybe they're thinking true. if they can get to the Super Bowl, they could win. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if they beat the Vikings now, they're one game behind would have the tiebreaker and have a much easier schedule. I mean, this is this is really, you know, the next two games after this aren't nearly as, this is the most important left game left on the Vikings schedule because if they win this one they can start turning their sights I think to the number 2 or number 1 seed, but they lose they're they're in a world of hurt. So, as well as they played winning 6 in a row, I mean, the Lions are just hanging right there. Big game. Well, and a loss to the Lions would drop Mike Zimmer to 2 and 6 against them. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's 2 and 5 wow. against the Lions. There's just something they, they've really they've and you know the funny thing is though the reason why I feel pretty good about it is all the well, the last three games that I think it's the last four games they've lost they've held the Lions to like 17 points but they keep losing to these really slow scoring games I, I think the Vikings offense will do a little better this time than they did last time. One of their NFL notes this afternoon, the NFL's Compensation Committee has denied Jerry Jones's request that the league's owners be allowed a final vote of approval on Commissioner Roger Goodell's contract extension. That according to a report out of the Wall Street Journal this afternoon. The committee also reiterating today that Jones should drop his threat to sue the league over Goodell's deal, <laughs> saying in a letter obtained by the journal that the Dallas Cowboys owner's dispute with the commissioner reflects conduct unbefitting an owner and is damaging to the league. I find this story infinitely fascinating, even though I haven't talked about it much, because everything I've read, you know, that, that the, the owners gave, the owners under their, you know, organizational bylaws gave, and then they agreed to do it again, gave this committee complete authority. So I don't see where he has a legal case at all. He Plus, has, I wonder if he, he has no legal case. So why is he taking this? Jerry Jones doesn't pick fights or take actions that that he's sure to lose. I find that curious to me that he would do that. Plus, I wonder if he realizes how damaging that this is, because I think a lot of NFL fans have fatigue when it as it re, uh, results to the story. Don't you? I, I'm sick of hearing about it. Yeah, I really am. It's just, I mean, I, 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 
if he had, you know, like when he took on the fight to to put his, all this stuff in his stadium, remember that that mm-hmm. he could have, he won that fight, right? Yeah. So he knew he could the win Pepsi it. Pepsi versus Coke thing. Yeah. And, yeah. This is this is a fight. He is a hundred percent. Well, you never say that in the law, but seventy percent sure to lose. So I, that's why I find it curious that he would go this way. In the letter today, uh, Falcons owner Arthur Blank, who's the chairman of the six-person committee, wrote that Jones was ignoring facts to, in his words, satisfy his own personal agenda. Sources familiar with the negotiations told ESPN Goodell's extension still is on track to be finished up at or before the owner's December 13th meetings in Dallas. So you know who plays Jerry Jones on? You guys watch Ballers on HBO? It's a it's a football show. I've watched Kenny. a few episodes, yeah. Uh, but the guy that plays the the guy, <laughs> the guy that plays uh, the guy that plays uh, the Jerry Jones character, who he's just referred to as Boss Man, who owns the Dallas Cowboys, uh, is is the guy that played Shooter McGavin in uh, you know Christopher the McDonald. Yeah, Christopher yeah. McDonald. He, he does a good job too. <laughs> Shooter the Shooter McGavin account on Twitter is a great. It is good. Too, by yeah, the way. it is it's really funny. Wild in action tonight. They'll play New Jersey at the Excel Energy Center. Uh, meanwhile, this morning, Coach Bruce Boudreau said injured winger Charlie Coyle will play this week. He wouldn't say what night, but uh, who knows? It could be this evening because the Wild activated Coyle from long-term injured reserve this afternoon. The team said forward Zach Parisi would go on LTIR after his back surgery October 21st. Uh, Coyle has been sidelined since he suffered a right fibula fracture against the Blackhawks on October 12th when he was hit by a shot from teammate Jared Spurgeon. He underwent surgery the next day. He was expected to miss six to eight weeks. This Thursday would mark six weeks since he was injured. Pistons beat the Timberwolves last night. The Wolves now 10-6 and six and are right back at it tonight. They're on the road to play oh, Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> okay over there, Kenny? I just saw, uh, got an awesome car fire here. Hurry oh. up so I can start talking about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let me tell you, Carl Anthony Towns has been named the Western Conference Player of the Week. Third time he's won that award <laughs> during the week. He averaged 20.3 points and 12.3 rebounds during a 3-1 to one week. 3-1 uh, week, excuse me, four. Of the Timberwolves. Imagine how good he'd be if they actually threw him the ball. That would be he'd be <laughs> really good. Or if he played yeah. a little better defense. Well, too. that too. That too. <laughs> Any more? Or well, that's it? up to Kenny. Apparently, I, yeah. I one more. I want to send this tweet. All right, there we go. <laughs> Brennan Armstrong, the three-star quarterback from Shelby, Ohio, who had given a verbal commitment to the Gophers in February before he reopened his recruitment last month, announced today he's committed to. Virginia. With the December 20th to 22nd uh, early signing period approaching, the Gophers still don't have a quarterback committed for the to class. To grow, you must fail. For the class of 2018, <laughs> uh, though they have offered several to quarterbacks. That's not our culture. That's unacceptable 100%. By the I way, eat I difficult think, conversations for breakfast. Uh, I think Demry Croft has completed another pass to the Northwestern second. You know, it is. It's You know, when you got Demry Croft, you just, just part ways with kids. Because apparently this was a mutual parting of the ways. Just just do it. You got Demry Croft, you're, you're and he's got got three years left, no, two years left of eligibility, you're set. Every ball is an elite ball because it was thrown to you. Uh, elite. The future I, gonna, turkey of the year. I, can't I am going to say this. Coming up at 540, we're, we're going to give Reavers a chance oh. to decide whether he's jumping on the P.J. Fleck bandwagon or off. Oh, boy. Ooh, okay, so, so you good. think about it, and I want mm. you to think seriously I will. about, about how you fun. handled the Richard Pitino bandwagon. You might want to think about that as well. <laughs> to grow, uh, you must fail. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kenny. Or not. That's John. Johnny. Uh, Kenny's, Kenny's coming, coming up. up. Yeah, Kenny's yeah. coming up. Yeah. You're, you're, you're welcome. Korzanowski, back with you on the ride. Uh, sometimes in my job, I go speak to these client groups, and I spoke to one in New Orleans this last weekend You know about legal stuff. I try to, like, spruce it up. And, and that's your be... city, right? Don't you love New Orleans? I love New Orleans, yeah. yeah. Although I kind of was just in and out there. I didn't even go to Bourbon Street. Oh, uh, come on. 
I did see, however, uh, I think I can say this on the radio. We'll see. We'll find out. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I think I can say it in a way. I, 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 it was Saturday morning. I was speaking, and I'd, I'd Friday night, I just I sat in my hotel room and just watched the Timberwolves on my phone. The Fox Sports app finally works. It was tremendous. Uh, wow, I was speaking early pathetic. in the morning, you know. Uh, but anyway, I'd been to New Orleans a lot. Sure, sure. And I learned that when I make the—I'm the, just going to go walk through Bourbon Street, I say to myself— uh, and it, it usually ends up getting back around two in the morning. Sure, it's just have you been? You've been there. No, no, I have the same rules with New Orleans as I do with Vegas. I don't trust myself. No, it's that's that's very wise. <laughs> yep. And in fact, New Orleans is worse because the area is so small. Right. You you walk in and you're in the middle of it, and it's just it, you're just engulfed. It's in chaos. It. It's, yes, it is. Well, and so I, I so I found out that the keynote speaker was none other than Joe Theismann. I talked about this yesterday in my show, and I, so I had to follow Joe Theismann. Okay. And he spoke on Saturday, which was the 32nd anniversary of of uh, LT breaking his leg. Wow. And Joe, Joe, I, Joe, this is obviously what he does for a living now, is he does speeches, and he gets paid a lot of money to do it, and he's very good at it, and he's very gracious. He gets the crowd involved. He, he some guy asked a question. He said, "Where are you from?" And the guy said, "Cleveland." And Joe walks up, walks walks off the stage, walks down to the guy, shows him his ring, and says, "Take a good look at this. Your team will never see one of these." You know, that Super Bowl ring. Sure. And so he was very funny. But uh, I, the the thing that I learned from this speech is Joe Theismann made a point early in his speech of saying, "And the NFL owners blew it." by ever letting their players take a knee. And what do you suppose the response was? Applause. Standing ovation. Yep. And that one kind of, I, I kind of thought that society was uh, split on this, uh, but but this group of, of people that I was around were pretty much a lot of them rural because it was it's a franchise system that has a lot of, what well, was Dairy Queen, that has a lot of franchise in small towns. Uh predominantly white uh, and, you know, biz, small business owners, people that I like, great people. You know, I mean, I know a lot of these people and I like them. So I guess, and I guess I had a sense of that because when I was at breakfast, sitting around a table with franchisees, uh, there was uh, the the head of the board who knows me pretty well. He says, oh, Scott's our lawyer and he, he has a radio show and he used to be a sports writer. And what was the first question? What do you think? Of the NFL, of the kneelers, of the kneelers. This was the first thing he asked you, or no, you no. He, he introduced me to the table. I see. And okay. I'm chatting okay. to the table, and okay. now they know that I I used to be a sports writer. Gotcha. I, have a sport, I have a sports, and that was the first question that I was asked. And even before this was before the Theismann speech, mm. but I already had a sense as to what the climate was. Sure. At this place, but mm-hmm. I, but at the same time, I wasn't going to lie to them. So I, I I explained to them that my view is that one I said you know I was a journalist and I, there's nothing that I believe more in than the First Amendment, and that there's really nothing that makes our country so great as the ability for people to speak out in peaceful protest. To, you know you can even the U.S. Supreme Court says you can burn a flag, and that doesn't violate the Constitution. And so I said when people do speak out in peaceful protest, no matter what their message is, I get offended when people say that's un-American. When you speak out that that's un-American, that burning a flag is not un-American. I think burning a flag is as American as you get. I wouldn't burn a flag, but that we can do it in this country without having retribution from your government is what makes this country great. And I think of that student who stood in Tiananmen Square with a tank pointed at that person. You remember that mm-hmm. famous that that's what China does. That's what Soviet Union used to do. That's what a lot of dictatorships do. They, they you can't if you speak out against the government, you get punished. And, and, you know, and it was, I think it was Mark Twain said, you know, that I, 
a patriot always loves their country and they love their government when they deserve it. And I thought that's America. So, but I said, but I said, when you are doing it on your job, which these players are, certainly your employer has the right to say you can't you can't use your time on the job for which I'm paying you to play football to make your statements. Okay. If I said, you know, if I wanted to protest something by taking over for the ride with Royce and saying, I'm not going to go silent for 20 minutes as a protest, uh, the Hubbards could certainly fire me and probably would. Right. You wouldn't make it probably through the hour. Right. I wouldn't make it five minutes. <laughs> right. right. Okay. And because I I can say what I want when I want. And, and to the Hubbards credit, because we do radio shows, I've never been told that I can't have an opinion on something and render my opinion. You know, because I'm here to I'm here mm-hmm. to, to do that. That I'm doing that's part of my job to do that. Shutting off the mic wouldn't wouldn't be part of my job. Well, anyway, and so then I said, and so there was the, there was a group, there was a family sitting at the table, a mom, a dad, and the two kids, and this woman, probably forty years old, said, "You know what? I was at a Jaguars game. They were from Jacksonville, and when the players took a knee, I haven't watched a football game since, and I won't go to a game ever again." And I said, "Well, were you a football fan before?" She goes, "Yes, we've been Jaguars fans." For many years, and I have every right to not go. And I said, "Yes, you do." But I said, "The Jaguars are finally good. Why aren't you going to the sure, games?" Right. Okay. Just to kind of, just to kind of, I guess, uh, diffuse it. But I guess I was, you know. And when Papa John's came out and took the side, remember the, the owner of Papa John's came out, citing uh, television took, ratings, right? took the side of the NFL owners and said they should have done something about this. The same side that Joe Theismann took that got this rousing ovation, he got pushed back from the other side. Right? From the, the other, people that would actually make purchases at his store. Right. That they said, well, we're going to now boycott Papa John's because so this whole thing has become a thing. And then Trump gets in it again today by saying, or was it yesterday? It was today. Marshawn Lynch, who stood up during the, because they were playing in Mexico, stood up during the Mexican national anthem and then made a point to go sit down during the U.S., during the America national anthem. And, and apparently Marshawn Lynch has been sitting down during the national anthems for 11 years. He has. And he, he's an idiot. Just because, well, I'll, I'll I'll backtrack a tad. Marshawn Lynch, I think, is an idiot just because of his actions and for a lot of other things. But the problem is, does he, he even play? Marsh, yeah, he, yeah, he plays. Yeah. yeah, he does. But this is this is so two sided because the the president doesn't realize by him now because he tweeted that out whether it was this morning, late last night, whenever that was. He is now reigniting Correct. the flames that that had I think had gone down oh, quite but, a bit within the past couple of weeks, and it, and it had gone down when he first made this a big deal, right? When he yes. said when he first made it a big deal, it had, the NFL owners basically and look, why do the NFL owners not take a heavy hand against their players? Why? Because they know that if they did, they that that's that their most valuable assets. You know, and I don't mean that to say that they're they are they're you're like any business. You say our most you hear our most valuable asset is our employees. Well, it's, right? it's their product. It's that's their, exactly right. What it is. And and so look, they don't want them kneeling. And we heard Jerry Jones say, if any cowboy knelt, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut him. And I'm surprised Jerry said that because who knows what could happen. He well, look set at Bob McNair up. with the Houston Texans. Case in point, right there. And I know I understand that Deshaun Watson getting hurt basically crippled their season, but. When he said that, his team completely gave up on him. Yeah, I mean, they so they know that they're doing this because, and it, it was interesting because when I talked to the Dairy Queen franchisees about that, I said, you know, we, right now we have 4% unemployment in this country, extremely low. 
And so when you run a quick service restaurant where you're paying, you know, minimum wage, it's hard to find employees. And they're not, I heard many stories from these franchisees saying, you know, I have some employees, they show up three out of every four days they're supposed to, but I can't fire them because when they're here, they're actually good employees. And if I fire them, I couldn't find a replacement, mm -hmm. right? You can't find people to do these jobs. So, so they're kind of at the mercy. Of, so if their employees were to take a knee, they probably wouldn't fire them either because they need them for their, to run their business. The NFL needs these players to run their business. And Trump just brings it up to distract. But but I guess I was taken aback by how strong the response was for Joe Theismann saying that. I was really Were you really? Yeah. Cuz I guess I I'm, I'm I not. thought it was kind of And I didn't split. I wasn't there, but I, I that doesn't shock me what you said the story that Joe doesn't shock me one yeah, bit. Yeah, and maybe maybe cuz I mean I did sense it like I said when I was asked that question at that at that breakfast table that I couldn't I couldn't say things that I've said on the radio. You know, because these are my clients. But I, I guess be... you were talking about, you know, g getting the temperature of the room. I guess if if I was to put a percentage on it, you know, whether it's social media or interactions with people outside of this building, that's the sense that I get is that about 85% yeah, of, of Americans feel that way. I've heard 60-40. Okay. 60, but, but, it, but I think it's way more like 85%. I guess that's still, and, and I do think that is playing a factor in the NFL's uh, uh, diminishing television ratings. I mean, this family said it. You know, they were Jaguars fans, and the Jaguars and are finally watch. good, and they're not watching anymore. I will take a break, come back, and then before we finish the hour, we'll have one more little Donald Trumpism. We're talking about Donald Trump uh, continuing to, uh, uh, and by the way, the Donald Trump LeVar Ball thing, if you, oh for my those God. of you who remember what, LiAngelo was one of three UCLA players that was shoplifting watches in China. Yep. That, that proves one thing. You should take anybody before they go overseas and show them the movie Midnight Cowboy, and you won't break any law in any foreign country. <laughs> I could tell you my Australia story sometime. I, I was you could bring you could only bring in four packs of cigarettes, and I was going to buy a whole bunch of them at the duty free shop back when I smoked. And I thought I don't want I don't want Midnight Cowboy to happen to me when I pull sure. in and I have all these cigarettes <laughs> in. Right? It wouldn't have happened. They just would have taken them away. But I wasn't going to chance it. Okay. Sure. So Trump gets LiAngelo Ball and the other two guys out. Right, and then mm -hmm. he starts complaining because Lavar Ball didn't thank him. Think about this, right? And Lavar Ball says, "Why would I thank him? He didn't go visit him. He just got your son. He played a major part in getting your son out of prison for what could have been three to ten years, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And and Trump did. You it. know the reason why he did that? Why 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 Lavar did that? He taunted him exactly because he knew he'd get a reaction, and thus he did enhancing his profile. And, and he did, and it shows you this is what's scary about this. You know who's of the two, you know who's more mature? Lavar. Oh of God. the two, you know who's smarter and more media savvy? Lavar. That is frightening. That because this is a guy who's got the immaturity. I I said, you know, they both have the maturity level of a three-year-old, and somebody tweeted me, and I did not block this person for this because I found it humorous. And he said, about the same as you. Ah. And I and I retweeted it. Now that's a funny line, right? I don't get offended by that. Although sort of stuff. I wouldn't exactly call him stupid, because he knows exactly what he's doing. Yes. Lavar or Trump? Both. Yeah. I don't know that he would get sucked. It, Lavar actually then backed down once he got his reaction from Trump on that. Probably one. fearful of being criminally apprehended. Must <laughs> must have been. Uh, when we come back at the top of the hour, we're going to talk a lot of Vikings. Ben Gessling at uh, five fifteen, and before we do that, I'm going to run over the Vikings offense, and there are a bunch of no names on there that are now the fifth ranked offense in the NFL.